BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Podcast, Season 6, Episode 21. My name is Tim. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there, kids. And we are on video today because we're not with Jaime Holopez Jr., who is, for some reason, camera shy. What can I say? Um, he doesn't do that hair every day, you know? No, it's true. It, it does take a lot of product and a lot of, a lot of pre- preparation, a lot of prep work. Yeah, yeah. If so. he had to do that hair for us for camera for every week, we, we'd need a bigger gel budget. That's true. That's true. We'd have, we have to figure out like a way to, to do that uh, spiky hair and the headphones at the same time. I think that's the trick. <laughs> Once we work out that, that serious problem of engineering, well, we'll figure it I out. Mean, we'll go forward. This is a sci-fi podcast. You know, we can, we can have like parallax, you know, views and stuff like that. I don't know how we can't, why we can't figure out how to maybe Photoshop in the hair or something. That might work. Mm-hmm. That might be the way to go. Yeah. 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 We could do that. We, we could, you know, we can just, you know, maybe I'll, maybe in post I'll Photoshop spiky hair on you and me too, just for fun. <laughs> now we're talking. I could use some. All righty. Okay. Well, let's dig into our fact check. So, um, this is interesting. 79 years ago, the classic Star Trek villain was created before Star Trek even existed 79 years ago. That's when the arena short story was created and I've forgotten the name of the author. So I have to click on the link, but the, the, and it literally is the same scenario where two aliens are put one human and one alien are put into a, an arena and they have to fight it out and, and that kind of stuff. And, uh, let me just see. So, so it's like, it's kind of like the Gorn and the Metreons and all that kind of stuff. And it was written by, uh, Frederick Brown. And it was that he was actually cre- credited as a writer on the uh, arena episode from way back. Yeah, so there we go. Uh, it's kind of a cool little story on the, the arena episode, which which relates to what we just saw in terms of the last episode of the Trek of the Stars, which are new and worlds and stuff. You know what I mean? And strange, strange, strange and strange. I forget. Yes, I think we're also strange too. Um, 
Yeah, and now uh, this is another article here that I posted called Streaming Costs Now Cost More Than Cable. And we've been talking about this, like, you know, the cost of all these various, um, what, do you, what do you call it? Um, well, streaming services, streaming services collectively. Yeah, they, they're, yeah. they're adding up, they're adding up, they're adding up, you know, death by a thousand cuts, as it were. Um, and now, you know, it's got, we've gotten to the point where all the streaming services, if you subscribe, you're paying more than you would for cable. And I, don't, I don't know about Canadian cable, but, you know. I still think we pay a fair chunk up here, right? It's true, although especially with if you're if you're at the top tier of a lot of these packages too, you know, if you have the the Netflix that's in 4K and you have an extra user and then you add in Amazon and then you add in an Apple and then you add in Crave and then you add in the Crave that also comes with, you know, the bonus channels and stuff like that. It it piles up pretty darn fast. Yeah, sure does, yeah. Did we talk last week about, I know we've talked about Apple and, and, and Disney and stuff like that, um, but did we talk about the fact that Disney's start going to start going after passwords the same way network Netflix did, and they're going to have this additional user thing and all that kind of stuff? No, I don't think we talked about that last week. Yeah, I think they mentioned in this article here, right, that they're cracking down on password sharing, as it were. So I don't know, I don't know yeah. how Disney's going to do it, you know? You know I mean, if Netflix can do it, I assume... Uh, Disney has the same latitude. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like that's the direction the ball is go going. I mean, we've had a lot of a lot of years of being able to password share across a lot of different things. You know, I'm surprised that we haven't heard from Spotify and Audible and all the other things that people tend to share around. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure in turn, all of them will come after their piece of the pie because they want they want to keep all those they want to boost their sub numbers and they also want to keep the money that uh, they should be getting as opposed to the halves that they're not sure yeah and the next bit of fact check i have here is that uh and i and it's funny because i noticed that you said oliphant um the way you said it last week um i i discovered this show called the rich eisen show i don't know if you've ever heard of it but it's it's yeah, i don't know which is yep yeah, I don't know yep. who he is, and maybe you can fill me in, but I've been watching a few of his things. He was the one that I posted the or t posted in the show, I think, last week about how, or two weeks ago, about uh, uh, Kevin Pollack talking about how he was on, you know, A uh, Few Good Men with, with Jack Nicholson. That was the show mm -hmm. that I was, or the podcast I was talking about. But uh, Tim Timothy Oliphant was on uh, the show, and he corrected uh, Rich Eisen about the pronunciation of Oliphant, because he said Oliphant as well, but it's it's pronounced like elephant. Oh. Right? Because okay. and and Because it, it was really pissing off Timothy Oliphant's dad. <laughs> okay. That, that even his kids were pronounced, they're like, where did that come from? Like, you know, so, uh, he, so he corrected him. And of course, you know, uh, um, it's funny because Timothy Oliphant said he'd, he'd let it, he's been letting it slide on all these years, right? And and he says, oh, well, can I call you Tim? He goes, well, no, you don't know me that well, you know. <laughs> as as somebody who has a bit of a complicated last name, uh, yeah. at least to look at, I can empathize that uh, you, you do kind of let it roll a lot. And so I, I've had a number of people over the years continually mess my name up and it is what it is. Mine too, people, because I mean, there's like, a, a, my name is, is Indian Bengali, but it, it also is, uh, it's a, a Persian name, Persian girl's name, pronounced mm. with, a, with, a, with a, a short, what's it called, long I, when it's I, when it's, when you say the I, and mm -hmm. then, uh, and then I get all kinds of, you know, Russian pronunciations and stuff like that, but nobody ever says it correctly, which is Mitra, yeah. but I've, you know, Mitra, Mitra, you know, I've dealt with all that stuff. It's a great way to screen your phone calls. I'm sure you've had your issues too. So at least it's not Stromalopolis. That's all I got to say. That's true. We, we could all be <laughs> Snuffleupagus. 
True. All right, let's jump into the headlines. Let's see what you got for us today, John. Headlines. Well, we'll start with the obvious one. So uh, we are here because we've just finished watching the first two episodes of Star Wars Ahsoka, which is what we're going to talk about today as our main. Uh, but we're doing that because they decided to bump things up. So they've decided to do something very interesting for Disney+. Plus. They're dropping this essentially in prime time uh, in East Coast, North American time. That is uh, 9 o'clock Eastern time is when the new episodes are going to go up, which is not coincidentally the same time that you would get a Game of Thrones or a House of Dragons or uh, a, a prestige show uh, time slot. So it's an interesting experiment. And, you know, I know a lot of people who were like, they had their popcorn ready, they were, you know, ready to sit down at nine o'clock and watch the show tonight. It's interesting to think of a streaming show as appointment viewing but that's kind of what they're making it well i think that's it i mean so so just just for clarity what how when would uh obi-wan or um you know the uh, the marvel stuff when would that have premiered they were dropping those at midnight pacific time oh uh, right okay so three o'clock in the morning for east coast north america so it and I do know people who were making the the effort to either stay up or watch those first thing in the morning or whatever because they were just they don't want to get spoiled over the course of the day or they want to have that as part of their discussion as part of the day. This way, in theory, tonight they dropped two episodes, so we did have you know an hour forty minutes something like that to to watch in one go. For the upcoming weeks, we expect it'll probably be forty five minutes to an hour per episode, and yeah, by ten o'clock there should be discussion on social media. There'll be reviews. There'll be blog posts. There'll be all that kind of stuff popping up. So it kind of captures a moment, I think, a little bit better. So interesting strategy. I'll be curious mm -hmm. to see how it does. But uh, we'll, we'll get a little more into that in a few minutes when we talk about the show. Yeah, I'm a lot happier. I'm a lot happier about the fact that they're doing this as episodic and dropping it, you know, with, with space between them, right? Like, as we'll talk about solar opposites in my, in my uh, thing here, but they dropped six episodes at once. And it was kind of like, I had to pace myself because I just, I would just sit there and watch them from end to end, but you need breathing room between, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had the discussion back and forth about the pluses and minuses of both methods, but uh, I think shows like this, you really want to have the conversation. You want to ramp up. You don't want to just have it all over it in one go, but. I, I don't know. I know that there's some people who don't agree with that philosophy. So. Well, they, they don't listen to this podcast and get to hear how you guess what's going to happen next week and quite often are right. But anyway, speaking of that, uh, Mando. <laughs> so we were talking about this recently, the fact that, you know, there's a lot of limitations on the fact that, you know, so many of these streaming shows that we've come to love have... Once they are taken from these channels, if they are taken from these channels, there's no opportunity to view them offline. And apparently the gods heard us, or at least Disney's marketing department. So uh, Mandalorian season one and two, WandaVision and Loki season one are all coming out on uh, Blu-ray and 4K uh, Ultra HD coming out later this year. Um, and it interesting timing so they're coming out in these nice uh you know steelbook packages and all kinds of fancy stuff you can click on the link in our show notes but uh it's an interesting development that they're putting these out although 
it's funny that the four of these are the ones that they chose. Obviously, they're they're amongst the most popular. People will buy them. People who are passionate about, you know, Marvel, Star Wars, etc. But we were talking specifically about stuff that's been canceled, like the the Willow series that was canceled and then not only canceled but removed from the service that you can't even watch it anymore. I'll be curious to see if maybe the sales of these will be watched closely from from the Disney side to see if they do really well. Because if they do, then maybe they'll start chucking out more of these things. But there's just so much content that is exclusive now to these streaming platforms. And not only is it exclusive to the platforms, but now it's exclusively buried by the platforms too. So I'll be curious to see how this trend goes. If these four do well, if maybe they'll, they'll roll out some more of them. I wasn't aware that Willow was not available anymore. Yeah. Not only did they have to, uh, to make the call to not, come back with another season not not in small part i'm sure due to the strike as well as the cost and everything else but they actually pulled it down because it's uh, that way they don't have to pay the residuals on it so oh. it's not even available <laughs> is that what the anymore is about? <laughs> well who knows maybe if they come up with a great agreement that kind of content will suddenly reappear but for the time being uh it's gone that just doesn't exist so and and again it's not like we were talking about cable versus streaming but at least with cable like i can set my pvr and record a show as long as i maintain that service a lot of this stuff lives on my pvr ad infinitum although now we're, we have virtual pvr as opposed to regular ones so they can go in and just fry those things from oh, your yeah. service too so it's becoming an interesting place to be where you know you could fall in love with something and never see it again are you on the virtual pvr thing like bell or rogers yeah yeah okay because yeah. i'm i'm still we still have the hardware pd pvrs here and when we when we go to the next thing yeah we're gonna get rid of we're gonna get rid of uh move over to bell so bell get ready um, when, <laughs> when we make our move, we're just going to go right to Crave instead of uh, Rogers. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a good ride, Rogers. We've had all our fun. But, but uh, coming back to the point you were just talking about, though, I think I think it's a good, it's a, an extra revenue stream for the producers to 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 make money because I think that you know we we talked about this before on the show too that streaming doesn't pay, right? Uh, I think all the streaming services are are struggling with the uh, pay once, consume as much as you want stuff. But if you want Mandalorian and you want a good copy of it and you want to have it in you know forever, you buy the Blu-ray, right? We've talked about that before, right? So that was the model for forty years. It yeah. just seems like it had started to slip, but now it seems like this is sort of a, a toe back in the water of trying to do it this way to sort of see if maybe there's a, an audience for this stuff. I'll, again, I'll be curious to see if this is the beginning of a trend or if this is just a blip but uh well, i mean people have gone yeah. back to vinyl right vinyl and I, I even heard cassettes are coming back too right so cassettes are back and actually it's funny because the the joke for me for a while was you know i'm gonna start buying all the cds i can while they're still cheap before the the uh gen z's all come after them and uh i just read an article the other day that said gen z just discovered cds look out and i was like great now those <laughs> are going to be like ten dollars each at uh, value village so yeah, it's it's funny how these trends keep coming around. There's a line in one of the episodes of Spoiler Opposites. Spoiler Opposites. Spoiler Opposites. Solar Opposites. Um, just recently where I think the, one of the episodes is... is uh, what's the little girl's name? I've forgotten her name. But she um, she's given a box of cassettes. Yeah, and, yeah. And somebody says, yes, because you you must listen with tape hiss. Or maybe it was on Futurama. But, <laughs> but you know, that tape hiss belongs... The authentic in, in, tape hiss? Yeah, yeah. That That's required part of the experience right so, yeah anyway look more headlines from jonathan more headlines yep so 
Speaking of home video, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is coming out on, uh, it's come out now on digital. It is going to be available on physical release very soon. And as part of this release, there's a bit of a kerfuffle. And the kerfuffle is around the fact that apparently the makers of the film were not quite done when they put it out in movie theaters. So the version you're going to see if you watch it on digital and it's the on George Lucas cut? Release, is the George Lucas cut? Is not the same as the one you saw in the theater. So no matter how much you love that one, there are going to be more changes. So some fans are quite uh, perturbed about this and have been taking to the uh, places like Reddit and other places like that. Because again, when you see something in the theater, you would like to be able to replicate that experience. And the... Apparently, the experience will not be identical. So they have put out this one version. They have gone back as they've been trying to sort of tidy it up for home video release. They've made a few changes, including dialogue changes, including scene changes. So uh, there is a pretty significant uh, a blowback uh, out there right now. People are like, hey, what the heck? Um, there's a, a line that people are apparently hung up on. So it's the, the line where... Um, after spoiler, 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 spoilers. Of course, if you haven't seen Spider-Man uh, uh, into the Spider Verse, no, what's this one called? Beyond the Spider Verse. No, wait, wait, wait. Across, across the Spider Verse. Across the Spider Verse. I got it. Um, Words uh, so, are flowing uh, out like endless rain into a paper cup. Yeah, that one. That's the one. If you haven't seen this, then maybe skip ahead for a couple minutes. But there's a line after. Miles has his conflict with Miguel O'Hara, the Spider-Man 2099 character, and he is basically walking away from him and he says, you know, you got to, you know, you need to do, you need to come with us. And he says, nah, man, I'm going home. Apparently they cut that whole line out, which was kind of a moment, right? Like that's the moment where he's like, you know, I don't have to do things your way. I can do it my way. Kind of, you know, it's, it's a, it's a moment for Miles, and apparently they have uh, they've cut that scene out. So people are a little perturbed, understandably so. I'll be curious to follow the story over the next little while and see uh, how they decide to go forward Maybe with this. Maybe get the laser disc, you get the better version of it, like you know Blade Runner. Uh, right? but then, you know, if only that's. And that's the crazy thing is, like, how many versions of a film are we going to have out there? Are we going to have the the ultimate cut and the perfect cut and the, you know, when is art done? Is art done when it's shown to us? Okay, then keep that version and then make a different version and say, oh, this is the extended cut or this is the, the you know, the final director's cut or whatever you want to call it. But, like, at least differentiate. What they were trying to do was sort of apparently slide it under the table and people were like, uh, what? Yeah. So. Yeah, I, well, I can tell you, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again, that my, my old art teacher used to ha used to say every artist needs someone behind him with a sledgehammer to hit you over the head when you're done. Yeah, yeah. Right, because otherwise most artists will never be finished. or never. I'm, I mean, I look at paintings I did in my 20s, and I look at them and go, I could have done that little part slightly different, you know, but mm -hmm. unlike George, I don't have the budget to go back in and fix everything, right? So. Well, so is, is art done when you die? Is that, Clearly, is that the end of art? Yeah. Well, the end of, end of your art. I mean, other, otherwise it's somebody else is picking it up and, and, you know, being derivative or whatever. But Well, what if somebody, what if somebody, ta if you create a film, what if somebody takes that film and colorizes a black and white film? Is it still your film? No, it's wrong. Yeah. So again, it's a weird line. And I mean, I'll watch it. But stuff like this <laughs> continues to bring that to the forefront, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, uh, admittedly, I have, I have used services to color pictures of my grandmother, for example, just, you know, just to see, 
mm-hmm. uh, what that could look like. But yeah, it, but it's not it's, like you're being like, look at this great color photo of my grandmother, the way it was originally taken in no, color. See right. the color. It, this is look at this the color. Is an interpretation of of what possibly could have been, maybe sort of right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it goes back to like, I was it a Pepsi commercial or Coke commercial that had Marilyn Monroe and Humphrey Bogart in it. You know, they yeah. were long dead, and that was when you know computers. Well, they, Forrest computers Gump, right? Film, yeah, exactly. Forrest Gump. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they made an yeah. entire movie. They had, yeah. they had uh, Tom Hanks interacting with John F. Kennedy, you know, like, uh, okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, we'll keep us moving. And uh, I thought this one was particularly funny given our conversations over the past number of episodes. So uh, Indiana Jones and Mission Impossible 7 apparently are not looking like they're going to be profitable films by the time you add up the costs to make them as well yeah. as the marketing costs and everything else. It, according to this article from Variety, it looks like they're going to lose about $100 million plus each. Which is not a not an inconsequential amount of money, especially in today's economy. Um, now it's interesting because obviously Indy Five was meant to be the sort of coda of the Indiana Jones films, so at least that sort of puts that to bed. And you know, right? You know, we've talked about it, I think on last week's episode. They're making toys. They're making Lego sets. They're making you know hats and whips and whatever to market this. So they're going to make their money in the long run, and they're going to put it on Disney Plus, and it's going to make money there, and they're going to put it on home video, and it's going to make money there, and they'll be and fine. It's going to be the steel case, Blu-ray. And yeah. Exactly. Um, MI7 is a bit of a weird one because it did lose a fair bit of money and in it won't make its money back, but they've already made the second part of this. So they're coming back with the second part of this too. So that's kind of a troubling sign for Paramount because Paramount, this is sort of their baby, right? Like they want, they want this to make all the monies for them. And if it's going to lose money for them, it does kind of make you wonder, is uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2 the last Mission Impossible know, Maybe film? they go in and make everything pink or something. I don't know. I mean, the CGI money alone, <laughs> just making Tom Cruise look human, it must be just astronomical. Yeah. So yeah, I can understand how that would get out of hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, good piece from Variety. I recommend if you're if you're curious about sort of how these things work uh, and the the business of of movie making, it's pretty interesting. But yeah, by the time you add all this up, this um, both of these look like you know it's a blow for Disney on the indie side and it's a blow for Paramount uh, on the Mission Impossible side. And um, it does you know as much as we have successes like Barbie that's now cracked I think 1.2 billion worldwide, uh, highest grossing film ever. Uh, created by a woman, which is incredible. So uh, mm-hmm. great on that front. Um, Oppenheimer looks like it's going to close out, you know, close to a billion bucks by the time it's all said and done. Um, you know, great for them. But then you have these other ones that are like, hmm. So they, every all the ingredients are there, and yet somehow it doesn't work out in the end. Well, I mean, people just weren't going to do this. I mean, the, the it's phenomenal, Barbie and, and Oppenheimer, in terms of the number of people. I mean, I, I'm sure if you look at the ticket sales today, the seats are just sold out, right? Blue, a blue beetle yeah. as well. A blue beetle beat Barbie last week, right? So it, it did. Although to be fair, that was like Barbie's what sixth or seventh week in the theaters yeah. that yeah. it finally got dethroned, and it got dethroned. I think Blue Beetle only made like thirty million dollars. Like it was not yeah. a yeah, gangbuster not a win. I mean, I'm great. I'm glad it is because I, I know that that there's especially uh, there's a lot of discussion about the fact that you know since this is a, a, a Latinx movie that maybe there's a a little bit of an eye on that one to see if there's that sort of Black Panther kind of mm-hmm. interest. It's not going to do Black Panther money, that's for darn sure. But uh, right. it'll be interesting to see if that is a, a bellwether for that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, bad news for you, Tim. 
the peripheral has been cancelled at Amazon in spite, once again, of the fact that it got a season two renewal. So this was another one of those shows that actually they said was coming back and they were going to make a second season. But now in the light of the ongoing strikes that are happening with the writers and the actors, they have taken a second look at it and said, you know what, we're not actually going to go forward with this second season. So... Yeah, I mean, it's not the first time this has happened, and I don't think it'll be the last, but it's, um, it's pretty crappy to keep doing this to fans to True. tell you tell us you're good it's renewed when i hear renewed i'm like great it's renewed i can count on this being a thing that i want to watch and it, honestly you had watched the first season and said it was pretty good i thought oh i'll put that on my to-do list now that i know it's canceled it's, it's on the long to-do list now because yeah. what, what does it matter yeah yeah i mean and and yeah admittedly though it, it did have its weak weak moments i mean i think some of the it, the long tail like, is it kind of stretched a little bit of reality. I think I think it had a really good premise, and it could have it really could have gone further with it than they did. But hmm. it was kind of meh after a while, right? You know. Hmm. Yeah. Well, either way, disappointing. I'm not crushed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it's not it's not Amazon's best work. Let's put it that way. So yeah. That's probably why. We got our first trailer this week for Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, the fully animated take on Brian Lee O'Malley's uh, classic graphic novel, which of mm -hmm. course was a cult classic uh, Edgar Wright movie. You and I are both huge fans of it. Um, they are bringing back the whole original cast of the movie to reprise their roles on the uh, the voice side of this, but they're doing the whole thing in the style of Brian Lee O'Malley's art from the book, um, of which I'm a big fan. I, I am I'm the gleeful owner of a page from that original uh, first book, mm -hmm. um, thanks to my beautiful wife. And... It looks great. It looks super fun. It's colorful. It's uh, It's got a lot of energy to it. Um, again, teaser trailer doesn't really get much into the plot. It looks like they're kind of doing the whole longer version of the the story that we got in the movie, the, the longer, it's more the comic book version that, that lasted, you know, multiple, um, multiple books. I'll be curious to see if that's sort of all they're doing with it or if they're going to go sort of off the, off the story path. But uh Again, I thought it was great. Really bright, really colorful. Again, didn't get into too much details, but uh, but I'm in. Like this is going to be a lot of fun. So go Netflix. I'm I'm looking forward to that one. Oh yeah. And the last thing I've got for us is that uh, Mario is is hanging up his plumber's wrench. Uh, <laughs> Charles Martinet, who has been Mario since uh, the early 1990s, is retiring or, well, let's just say he's no longer going to be the voice of Mario. Uh, so Nintendo put out a, a, a little news uh, brief this week saying that all the way dating back to Super Mario 64, Charles Martinet has been the voice of Mario. Uh, he will apparently not be the voice of Mario in the uh, upcoming game coming out this fall. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's transitioning to becoming the official Mario ambassador. More details to come. But um, yeah, it's particularly interesting given that we just saw Chris Pratt do the voice of Mario in the new Mario movie that came out this spring. Um, and people were like, you know, Charles Martinet Martinette was right there. Why didn't you just sign him up? Yeah. Um, maybe he's getting older and it's not as easy for him to do the voices anymore. Or maybe there's a political decision or maybe it's a money thing. Who knows? But either way, uh, on behalf of all the Mario nerds out there, and we have many of them in this house. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a did bittersweet you, did moment. Did you watch the movie? Have you seen the, the new... 
Haven't seen the movie yet. I promised my daughter that I would watch it with her, and okay. uh, she's been yeah. dragging her heels on it. So it's it's available here on Amazon Prime now, but uh, for for like as part of your package. So I did watch it, and and he does say Mario at one point, but not Mario. Like, it's not. It's definitely Chris Chris Pratt um, voicing. Yeah, and, uh, I can't remember who does Lou. Lou. He calls him Lou in the movie. Uh, Luigi. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is what it is. From, is it the guy from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Oh, I know the guy you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, Day Charlie Day. Charlie Day. Yeah. It was. It was. Um, it might have been Charlie Day. Don't don't quote me on that. But um, well, actually, let's fact check that. But um, no, I, I thought it was enjoyable. I, I watched it in two sittings. I didn't go through uh, the one sitting and watch it. But uh, Super Mario. Here we go. Oh, Charlie Day. Look at me. Take me a while to figure out who who Princess Peach was. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but oh, it's yeah. uh, Anya Taylor Joy, isn't it? Anya Taylor. Anya Taylor. Yeah, I didn't know. I and I wouldn't have. I would never have guessed listening to that. But the anyway. only reason I knew that was because at some point I saw on social media a picture of her and like looking like she was dressed like Princess Peach, and oh, I thought, okay. what was that? And I found out that right. she was going to the premiere dressed as Princess Peach. So okay, cool. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, this brings us to the main part of the show. Where we talk about something Star Trek, but not this week. This week we're talking about Star Wars Ahsoka, finally coming to the uh, to the big screen in real life action with like you know all the sort of Easter eggs from Rebels and Clone Wars and Jonathan's going to fill us with them. I've got a few. <laughs> I've got a few of my own sort of sideways glancing, tongue firmly planted in cheek um, Easter eggs, but you know. Mm-hmm. We can just go through our regular stuff. I did stuff. I didn't take any notes on what they said and stuff like that, but you know, as we normally do. But but you know, I got you covered. All right. So you want to hear my my first two uh, my first two uh, Easter eggs? Uh, well, can I, can I start with my elevator pitch and then we'll move? Okay. To the yeah. Eggs? Do your elevator pitch first. Yeah. Sure. All right. My elevator pitch for the first episode. Uh, so this we got two episodes. We'll do the first one and then we'll do the second one. Sure. Uh, my first elevator pitch was uh, some wounds take more than the force to heal. So, uh, apt in a few different ways if you watch the episode. By the way, just for the record, in case you were confused, we're going to be talking about Ahsoka in detail. We're going to go through all kinds of stuff. We're going to spoil the heck out of it. So, uh, you're in, you're in, you're out, you're out. This is this is your last warning. Yeah. So, and you'd be you'd be pleased to know that I just finished finished watching the last episode of Rebels like three two three days ago. Well, then you're ready. Yeah, and I thought, you know, it's funny because I thought, okay, I finished that. Now I can go watch the the season seven of Clone Wars, and then I realized, oh, I've already watched it. I'm like, wait, what? So yeah, so I'm all, I'm ready to yeah. go. So if and and it is very it is pinnacle that you watch at least the last ep- two episodes of Rebels to get some of the Easter eggs that are in this one, right? And some of the context. Yeah, they're talking about. There's been a bunch of different lists you can search pretty much anywhere that'll give you sort of five essential things or ten essential things that you should watch before you go in. Obviously, uh, you know, it's much more rewarding if you've watched all of Clone Wars and you've watched all of Rebels and you've watched all of The Mandalorian and you're sort of caught up on all your Star Wars lore. However, um, there's definitely a lot tied into the last season of Rebels in particular, but the last couple of episodes of Rebels particularly that will be really telling as far as the, the first two episodes of this series. So I can, I can turn my, my two funny Easter eggs into like my elevator pitch, if you like. Bring it. Yeah. So Ahsoka Tano is a Fifth Elements fan. <laughs> yes. And she's obviously been following Harry Potter with the snitch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was, uh, it's, 
I, you know, I won't say it was derivative. It was its own thing, but it definitely had some vibes for sure. Yeah, I was when, when I was waiting for her to blow on it, you know. <laughs> yeah, it also had a pretty big Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of vibe too. She's True. in the yeah, temple. Yeah, I was thinking that too with the with the gold monkey thing at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That kind of that kind of seemed like it was deliberate, but um, yeah. And packing the the schnitch in in yeah. the in the coffee beans, I think, was a good good touch for the. the well, the, you know, it keeps the dogs off, eh? Right? They don't, they don't get at it that way. True. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that was an interesting interesting piece where you know she kind of grabs it. I thought like, oh crap, I've broken it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gotten so old, it's falling apart. Yeah, for just we're talking about the first five minutes of the show. We're not talking about anything major, major spoilerific. So, although there was a there was an uh, introduction at the beginning, I thought that was almost. I thought that was almost Liam Neeson at first when the first first robed one appears, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. again, there's deliberate echoes there. The them coming aboard the ship with their hoods the down. Two, yeah, the brown and the and the dark one it, looking like it Obi-Wan definitely had and... vibes of of uh, episode one. And yeah, there's it's always a little nod. You can't make a Star Wars show without these little touches and nods and stuff like especially if Dave Filoni's doing it I mean he's such a I did a, notice for sure fan. though that that obviously John Williams isn't involved in the soundtrack because none nope. of it sounded like him at all and, no. and we, we should actually go back to the very beginning and that and that is the scroll the scroller was not yellow mm-hmm. and it didn't taper so my com- my comment to you is as I was watching it live was it's broken the scroller's broken yeah yeah it was all left justified it was very very jarring and it was red yeah, no, because yeah, they they used to do the newspaper justified thing, right? And um, and red, I always thought was like was the well, I guess it kind of was the Sith, you know? Because whenever they did Rebels or whatever they or Clone Wars, they would always change the logo to red, right? Mm-hmm, if it was a, mm-hmm. a Sith episode, right? Like Maul or whatever. Yeah, and again, the episode obviously starts with a with a I don't know if we'll call them Sith yet, but a and a dark Jedi attack. They had uh, red laser, those... red lightsabers. They had orange lightsabers. Oh, were they orange? orange. They looked red to me. Yeah, yeah. No, they were they were actually distinctively orange, which is very interesting. I mean, they do talk about the one having been trained by the the dude with the 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 robot with the pointy sort of Huyang. Yeah, Huyang. Yeah, yeah. He, he's the he's the one that trains the. He's the one that teaches them how to do the lightsabers when they go and get the the crystals, right, in the cave. Yeah, so they would go to Ilum and they would get their crystals. And then on the way back, he basically teaches them how to build their own lightsabers using the crystals. Um, so he's a, a recurring character. So, and he, But he's a Jedi. Like, he's a robot that's a Jedi? He's not, but he's ancient. He's He's been doing this. This has been his job for millennia, taking these... Uh, Padawans, these young ones, and so taking like them John to Ilum. Hurd again in Harry Potter, who hands people their wands, pretty much, right? yeah, pretty okay, much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Speaking of derivative, <laughs> the the pew 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 I had for the first episode was uh, so we you know we start with these the you know introduction of these two new characters, the the uh, sort of dark Sith or dark 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 Jedi and an apprentice type character. At the end of the episode we get this great duel between Sabine using Ezra's lightsaber and mm-hmm. the apprentice uh, with her orange lightsaber. Always cool to see a nighttime lightsaber fight because the swords just look so vivid and stuff like that. And uh, I thought that was a particularly good one. Um, and it ends as it should have ended, which is uh, Sabine's no match for a sort of fully trained dark right. Jedi and right. gets stabbed right through the gut. And, so can we, uh, can we dial back? I have a, that, that leads me to a big question, if I can throw it in here now. And that is, yeah, sure, sure, when sure. did Sabine, when was Sabine Ahsoka's 
Apprentice. Or Padawan, sorry, Padawan. That's new. So we didn't know that that had been the case. We knew that she had trained with first Kanan when she got the Darksaber. Again, spoilerville here, kids. Uh, in case you haven't seen Rebels or, uh, you know, all... We're going to talk about all the canon here. When she was training with the Darksaber, which she was once the Keeper of, uh, she trained with Kanan, and then later on she trained with Ezra. So she's trained in the Force Arts, but mostly in the combat. Using the sword, using a lightsaber, defending yourself, all that kind of stuff. But she's never shown any Force sensitivity. She's never right. shown that she's in any way gifted with the Force force. Mm -hmm. So that was one of my first questions. And I think that was the, I think I've got it in here was like, what's the, you know, why did we never see a glimpse of Sabine as a, as a force sensitive person in the original series, if this is where they were going. And I think the idea is that, you know, in the time between when Thrawn and Ezra disappear at the end of Rebels to where we are now, which is supposed to be a few years later, during that interim, at one point, Ahsoka was training Sabine. They had a falling out of some kind, and here we are coming back to it. So it's us playing catch-up as the viewers, right? Right, okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, they've never mentioned that before. Uh, before, and the other question I have was what, like, what was the trigger? Because they never really talk about it. They never say what was the thing that drove them apart. Why did they separate initially? What, what caused that breakdown? So we haven't seen the come together or the breakdown. Hopefully, they'll get into it a little more in detail. Although this series is kind of motoring along, and it isn't taking a lot of time for conversation. It's mm -hmm. a very quiet show so far. Plot moving forward, but not very character heavy, which. I'm a little surprised by, given that they kind of have a lot riding on this. There's been a lot of dragging Star Wars through the mud the last little while. A lot of people didn't like the last season of Mandalorian. Um, you know, the last couple of movies haven't been exactly hot. And it does kind of make you think, you know, if they need to hit this out of the park, they're kind of leaning really hard on the lore. They're really leaning on, like... At, I don't know if this is all just for people like me who are way into it and people like you who are way into yeah. it yeah. or because if they're going for a broad audience, I don't like I think they're still going to be like, so who is she again and why right. does she matter? Like they only briefly reference in passing that she was uh, Anakin's Padawan. They really haven't tagged up on a lot of this stuff. They really are just kind of moving forward, which is, again, for a, a deeply invested person like us is fine. But for a casual Star Wars fan, man, they might get lost fast. Yeah, it's true. And, it's and true. if you didn't watch Rebels, there'd be a lot of who is this and what is that and why are we here and who, like, this Even the would cat get confusing. and the wolf thing in the mural and, and yeah, and, All and of it. like um, uh, Hera's throw, throwaway comment to Mm -hmm. uh, Ahsoka about her master and then she takes a turn she turns her head and then she mentions Anakin by name but she could have very well been saying you're look at what you happened to your master right he became mm. this big black guy that you know lifts people up by their neck and stuff yeah you although know. at this point in the chronology he's dead so he's dead okay yeah I was gonna ask like when it because they did yeah talk this, about... this is supposed to be five this is the same same time period as Mandalorian so it's five to six well now I guess six or seven years after um, the events of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and I think I think it's I mean it's important for people who haven't seen uh, the Battle of of Lothal or whatever or or the conclusion, mm -hmm. and that's Ezra who was sort of a junior apprentice wannabe 
Jedi through Rebels. Well, uh, by that point, he was essentially a Jedi Knight, yeah, right? Like, he he'd come a long way. Out. Yeah, he'd done all that stuff. But I mean, but his solution to defeating Thrall was he called in the space whales, who then wrap Thrawn up as if, you know, almost like to the point where he looks like he's about to die. And the mm-hmm. two of them are whisked off into hyperspace. Yeah. And that's the end to, of Ezra. To space Ezra. beyond space. They don't, yeah. they don't even know where they went. They're just gone farther than people can track. And so that's what this whole story seems to be about, right? I mean, and it, and it's kind of like, you know, people will be like, oh, it's Force Awakens again. Here we go with the map thing. And who, where, how do we find Luke Skywalker? And again, it's the same... Mm-hmm. You know, dragging that through the mud too, and and like you said, mm-hmm. people are not, weren't really thrilled with that whole storyline of where the heck is Luke and why doesn't he want to help us and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, Easter eggs, man. The first episode was just like my Easter basket runneth over. It was ridiculous. So if you were a, a Clone Wars, Ahsoka, Rebels head, it was just hit after hit after hit. So, you know, stuff like inside of the tower. So the tower that Sabine lives in is Ezra's old uh, communications tower. That's where he lived. And so the room is just filled with artifacts from Rebels. So his helmet collection, uh, his his orange spray-painted speeder bike helmets in there, which he wore in a number of episodes. A whole, his whole collection of uh, Empire helmets that he was collecting are all in there. Um we saw the mural that is from straight from it's so that's Ezra, uh, not Ezra. Sabine drew that so that we see it in the first scene oh, uh, she when drew we're that. back on the Yep. Um, we see Ryder Azadi, of course, Clancy Brown back as Ryder Azadi. So he did the voice of Ryder Azadi on the show, and now he's actually him in live action, which is perfect. Uh, we we see uh, Home One. Home One is Admiral Akbar's ship from uh, Return of the Jedi. That's the one that leads the attack on the second Death Star. Um, so that's again a nice little callback. So the the hangar that uh, Ahsoka lands in that's where we that's where we last saw the Millennium Falcon and them you know landing back in there and stuff like that. So, you know, um, pretty memorable moments there. Um, we saw in the first scene and then later on, we see more of the Night Sisters, the Sisters of Dathomir, the Witches of Dathomir. Um, that's all tied into Clone Wars stuff and Rebel stuff. Uh, the, they were this sort of a race of sort of um, sorceresses, witches, who could manipulate life and death, who were strong in the Force. Um, and so that's where we see the temple at the beginning. And then later on, we find out that uh, Morgan Elspeth, who is the the person who sprung at the very beginning of this episode is actually a descendant of the witches of Dathomir who were all, thought to be all dead. So that's kind of interesting too. Um, we saw Huang, Hu Yang rather, who was David Tennant's character, David Tennant's character. Um, so he played that character um, uh, in the Clone Wars, of course. So is he, that was, is he voicing the, it here too? Or? He is, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so Ryder Azadi, you got him next. Is, is that the young kid at the end that was with the rebels at the very end there? Is that he's now a senator, I guess? No, Ryder is the old guy, the guy with the white beard. That's uh, Clancy Brown. So that's, um, he's the one who was the sort of the, he was the governor and then he was arrested and he was disgraced and, and then he comes back. Yeah. So he's basically back in his role as the governor of, of Lothal. Um, we, we saw a great, uh, a loath cat. We saw a real live loath cat. Um, uh, they were of course ubiquitous in the original show. We'd see loath cats all over the place, but, uh, I didn't realize realize they had like chicken feet and, and that they ate kibble. So. 
Yeah, it's pretty cute. I, I gotta admit, if they make a really realistic one of those, I would I'd take a loath cat. It's pretty darn cute. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just it was chock a block. You couldn't you couldn't look. I mean, this was definitely one for the the deep cuts fans. There was a lot of stuff in there. Um, there was lots of little doodles everywhere. Sabine is an artist, so there's lots of little Sabine doodles everywhere. So we see that. Um, same ship, the A6 is what uh, what uh, Ahsoka was flying around in in Rebels. So again, we see that again. Um, so yeah, just tons and tons and tons of stuff to to wade through if you're a Deep Cuts fan. I'm going to watch it again at some point over the next week just to sort of see what else I can see. Uh, we obviously kind of just powered through a little bit so we could get on and, and record tonight. But uh, yeah, I think there's just a, a cornucopia of, of, uh, of Easter eggs to be found there. Um, best quotes. I, I just pulled a couple that I liked. Um, Hera talking to... Um, to Ahsoka, it's never a straight line with you, Jedi, is it? Right. Uh, I thought that was a pretty apt way to describe the Jedi. And then, um, yeah, sometimes even the right reasons have the wrong consequences. I think that is the most true line of uh, of Jedi stuff. That's got to be a Dave Filoni line. That's pretty good. Um, and yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, pretty big first episode. It starts with the jailbreak and it ends with uh, one of our heroes uh, impaled. So you, you certainly whip through pretty fast. Um, a little light on the dialogue um, and a little bit of catch up to be done even for the hardcore fans. Why are we here? What's who? What? Why? Who? What, what's going on here? Uh, which I guess takes us to... Oh, and uh, yeah, which I guess takes us to the second episode, right? Well, before we get there, like just just on some of the characters, like Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Hera, what did you mm. think about her as, as that character? It's nice to see her in real life, but a little not quite... I, I love the Hera character. She's one of my favorites. Uh, and I love Sabine and I love Ahsoka. I think these are three strong, amazing female characters that have been done in Star Wars over the past number of years. I love mm -hmm. all three of them. I really like Natasha Lee Burdizzo as mm -hmm. Sabine. I thought she was great. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm still coming around to... I'm still coming around to Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka. I like her a lot as a performer. I yeah. like her a lot as a person, but I'm still kind of, she's playing it so subdued. Right. And even in, even as more of an adult character in her Rebels years, she was still a little more, I mean, she was definitely more serious than she was obviously as a little kid in Clone Wars, but she just seems a little joyless. And right. I get yeah. that obviously she's been through a lot of stuff and obviously this is, these are some dark times she's dealing with, but she's just a little, a little flat for me right now. I'm, I'm, I'm warming right. up. And again, I love her and she looks fantastic and I think it's I great. I think the, but, look, is, the yeah. look is great. She looks good as Ahsoka. But yeah, it's, you're right. I, was, I kept thinking like, okay, if they do any flashback scenes, are they going to have to get a younger actress to play a younger Ahsoka? Because she, you're right. She was very young, mid-teen kind of vibe. Yeah, when the, the Clone Wars starts, she's supposed to be like 13, 14 years old. Yeah, yeah. So obviously yeah. like a child. And, you know, Ashley Eckstein, who did the voice throughout all of the animated appearances, was amazing in her voice performance and, and really evolved it into Rebels when she's more of an adult character. And now she's meant to be, I think, more the age that Rosario is in her 40s. She's She's been around the block. She's quit the Jedi Order. She's seen a lot of 
good times and bad. And so maybe that's why she's playing it the way she is. But I'd like to see just a little more emotion out of her. Yeah. Um, well, and as far as Mary Elizabeth Winstead as, as Hera, I loved, again, it was a great voice performance, but she was, she was so motherly on the show on Rebels. She really did, like she and Kanan were the mom and the dad and Sabine and Chop and Ezra and, um, uh, oh God. Drawing a blank on the Lasat's name. What's his name? Uh, oh, yeah, him. <laughs> oh, It'll epic come fail. back to you. It will. Anyways, they um, they were all amazing characters, but they were meant to be sort of like the kids, the goofy kids on, on the ship. Um, and it's been so far Zab. really kind of... I guess she's trying a little bit. Zab? She's trying to push... Zab, Zab thank you, Garazab. Um, I... Th- think they're trying to do her more as the sort of, you know, yeah, she tries to push Ahsoka and Sabine back together. So maybe she is being a little sort of mom-like, but I, I kind of miss that vibe a little bit uh, from her. But again, it's early. So I'm, I'm hoping that we'll see a little bit more of that personality come to. And I, and I will say, as we get into discussion about episode two, um, I saw more of that in that episode. So Yeah, I think the green eyes on Hera kind of really sort of sold me on on the look of the character, I guess. You know, the one thing, yeah. the, the only thing about their... their it's not hair. It's part of their bodies, right? These these two races. Oh, the, right? the head uh, fins. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. But yeah. They're, they're a bit. You know, they're they're more animate in the in the in the cartoons because obviously they're animated. But well, I mean, and they can move a little more easily. They're more. They're more they... like. They're less like tails, like a tail would be. And they're more like they look like foam. You know, they not quite. Yeah, good. I thought they did a better job. I th- I definitely thought Ahsoka's looked pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, because there was that dancer in in, Retur- in Return of the Jedi that had the really long ones, right? That one. Was yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, all right, episode two. So the first one was called. We didn't talk about. It was called Master and Apprentice, which uh, should have given us a way that there had to be something like that. But that that could be played a couple of different ways too, right? It's not just the first two characters that show up. There could also be Ahsoka and um, yeah. Sabine. Sabine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, my elevator pitch for this one was coincidentally right on that same track. Uh, line from Yoda, always two there are, no more, no less. So this <laughs> one was very much about that, um, you know, the duo of, we saw obviously the the Master and the Apprentice for the Dark Jedis working really well together in the first one, but there was a lot of still conflict and, and negativity between uh, Ahsoka and Sabine. Here we see them finally getting back on the same page. And so now we're, we have, you know, the duo versus the duo uh, with a little bit more clarity as to this is going to be a, a buddy cop thing, the old cop and the new cop, um, to the point where, you know, she calls her Padawan and calls her master. And so they're sort of back into that dynamic again. Right. Well, my elevator pitch is what? No, back to tank? <laughs> yeah. I mean, apparently it wasn't bad enough to... You, getting stabbed through the gut is not enough for a back to tank, apparently. Hitting the face by a Yeti is a problem, but... I guess it depends on what our vital organs get, you know, singed or whatever, right? You know, it's funny. I saw that at one point she, you know, lifts her shirt and she's got this lightsaber mark uh, scar on her belly that's healing. Uh, I don't know how these things work in in the world of of Star Wars a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But uh, I was like, oh, so did she just lose like an ovary and half her uterus? Like that is a lot yeah, of yeah, a yeah. lot of space in the midsection there that uh, was was missing. I mean, like is that like lower intestine yeah. or upper intestine? Yeah. Or but I guess you know when a lightsaber goes through, it kind of singes as it 
as it well it leaves through. a it leaves a scored hole right so yeah 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 and why can't we see mm. through her that's what i want to know right so like what do they feel yeah, her in with <laughs> well you know when um when we saw that in mandalorian they didn't they robot parts they put robot parts in didn't they yeah yeah something like that yeah yeah um my pew 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 for this one was the the lightsaber fight slash space chase we got the sort of the duel uh, where the phantom 2 and chopper and, and hera are trying to track this uh ship before it goes into hyperspace and we've got on the ground we've got ahsoka fighting against an inquisitor as well as one of the more advanced uh hunter killer droids and um it was good, cool the way they're sort of bouncing back and forth between those two sort of scenes and the sort of building the tension up and stuff like that interesting that they brought in an inquisitor the Inquisitors on all the other occurrences through uh, Rebels and then into um, the stuff we've seen in the other shows on Disney Plus, they're very chatty. They're very chatty folks on the the Obi Wan series. They're very chatty on the uh, on the Rebels series. This one it just comes down and is like a ninja. He's just got like a, ma- a mask on and is just like no I'm here words. to fight. There are no and, words. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of an interesting twist on the the whole whole sort of Inquisitor thing. Um, but yeah, so now not only do we have two Dark Jedi, but we all, we actually have an Inquisitor with a double ended lightsaber too. So the scales yeah, are. Uh, I was going to say on the pew pew on the pew pew. Uh, there was a lot of good pew pew in this. It was like Hera going up against the big ship and dodging the guns and Chopper, you mm-hmm. know, yelling at her. I don't remember ever understanding a single thing that Chopper said in the Rebels series, but in this one you could almost hear, have you been through my stuff? You know, yeah, oh, oh yeah. hey, I found it. You know, like you could you could almost make it out, right? Like, like you Ch- didn't Chop's need always, sometimes. Ch- Chop's always been a little bit, if you listen, the intonations are really strong. Um, not everybody knows, but Dave Filoni actually does the voice of Chopper. And yeah. uh, he... he he really wants him to be a throwback droid, something that is not like he's not R two D two. He's not uh, a modern, you know, uh, cool. He's basically the last survivor. He's supposed to be the crotchetiest, oldest, mouthiest, uh, you know, sort of squirrely, cowardly, uh, goofy droid in the galaxy. And yeah, it was so much fun to see him. I mean, we, we've seen him in cameos a couple of times. We saw him and he was in Rogue One. We saw him whiz by at one point. Um, but yeah, really cool to see him. Well, we didn't talk about it in, in, I don't think we did talk about this, but in, in um, Star Wars Day or whatever they call it, they yeah. they brought out a, a chopper figure. Like, you know, like, yeah. like a, I've got the R2-D2 back here that, that yep. animates. They brought out an yep. animated chopper, right? Yep. I guess in, yep. in looking forward to this series coming out, right? So... Yeah, and it's cool. he's funny too because again he doesn't quite have the same cool functions as some of his contemporaries. He's he he looks a little more old school. He's got you know mismatched parts, and he's got instead of having the cool like you know uh, protuberance that comes out of R two D two that does all the things, he has just like a claw. Like it's it's he's a really interesting character. You know, we forgot to talk uh, about was this. You know that uh, the interface we talk about where the droids always stick in and they do that thing where the, he uses the force to do it. He uses the force to do that. Yeah, like, like again, shouldn't couldn't they put like like a like a plate over that thing? <laughs> or two-factor authentication i guess well it is if it is a long time ago in a galaxy far far away maybe that's they right have, before apple got yeah that's maybe right. they didn't, they that's didn't right. have hackers or whatever back then i guess although i guess a <laughs> jedi sort of sith guy is a hacker in a, in a in a sense right yeah in a sense anyway um easter eggs but, for this one so 
Chopper was a big Easter egg. Yeah, the Inquisitor was a big Easter egg. Uh, the Phantom 2. Uh, so... Uh, for those of you who haven't seen was Rebels. it Phantom and Ghost for the two ships they had in the so the Ghost was the main ship and the Phantom was the second ship at one point Smaller in the one, series right? yeah. yeah at one point in the series uh, Ezra through being a bit of a dork uh, gets the original Phantom destroyed and so inevitably they need another one so he steals another one later on and so that's the Phantom 2 they repaint it and basically make it the Phantom 2 so uh, yeah so again fun to see that I I will say that's the only thing that's kind of missing from this is is the ghost we haven't seen the ghost and the ghost is such a huge part of, of Rebels the ship itself Yeah, it, it would be really yeah. fun to see that but I'm hoping it maybe it, at some point like Zeb shows up with it maybe something we'll see yeah. down the road i think that'd be so a lot my, of fun my star wars easter egg was was a really bad green screen scene yeah <laughs> you know the part where they're sitting on the, they're talking to the bald imperial or um, emperor imperial what is it empire guy imperial yeah yeah imperial guy yeah. and and the yeah. Hera and and they're they're in that car and they're supposed to be driving through this big giant you know shipyard of stuff Yep. Really bad green screen. Not as bad as, as uh, you know, um, Return of the Jedi, but still pretty bad. Yep. <laughs> well, th that dude was named Mirn Weaver, and uh, yeah. he actually had a quote that I flagged, which was, uh, an empire doesn't just become a republic overnight. You will still find ex-imperials at every level of the new republic government, uh, which comes back about 10 minutes later when uh, a bunch of the people working at the facility start pulling out guns and yelling for the empire, which, you know, yeah, nice, nice foreshadowing on that one. Um, other quotes I had, uh, the past is the past move forward. That's who Yang yeah, to like Sabine. One. That yeah. was, that was the winner, I think. Um, and I thought, I, I thought of you the second it was said. Her presence in the Force is elusive, <laughs> yet her determination is vivid. She is coming. That's Balin at the end of the episode when they, they know that uh, Ahsoka is headed their way. But I just loved when he says elusive. It's very episode one. You McGregor pronunciation, yeah. That's right. Elusive. Yep. Um, and of course, the whole, this, uh, we should also mention, this whole shebang was also um, dedicated to Ray Stevenson, who plays Balin. Um, he died after this was made. Um, oh, really? Very tragically. Mm -hmm. We talked about it a, a number of uh, episodes back that uh, that he had tragically died. Um, but it was very nice that they, they paid homage to him uh, at the end of the first episode. And uh, of course, this is his last work, which is really quite sad. But um, But mm -hmm. he's been really cool so far, so... Good, good, good legacy to leave on. Um, the only other thing that I had for us for my uh, question was, I think the one that I think we need to have, which is, is this show too deep in animated lore for other people to enjoy it? Well, yeah, I think that's kind of that's kind of what I'm saying. I, th I think, well, I mean, you know, having this is the first time I've sort of been caught up on all on most of the Star Wars stuff. I haven't done a lot of. The, I mean, I've read some of the books and stuff like that, and and I think I've read some of the books you haven't read, but. Um, I am glad I did get to see the last couple of episodes of Rebels because mm -hmm. it kind of dovetails right into this. Surprisingly, even though like how many years has it been since that series ended? Um, oh, I want to say 2017. Yeah, it's been a while, like right? A while so, back. Yeah, because uh, it kind of just picks up because she literally touches the mural in the last episode. You know, when when, mm -hmm. she, when you see because you see Ezra just leave, as I mentioned earlier, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and we and it's kind of funny because we know that Thrawn is coming back. Um, I guess I guess you don't need to know who he is if you start watching this show. But yeah, the whole I mean, and like like they kind of sprung the relationship between Ahsoka and Sabine on you and me 
because mm-hmm. we hadn't. I mean, I had to say to you, "What?" and you said, "What?" Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of interesting. I mean, I mean, I don't know if they start talking about um, oh the Jedi that died. Now I've forgotten his name. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, Ezra's master. Oh, K- Kanan, Kanan Jarrus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because yeah, there's a baby at one point, isn't there? Yeah, Jason. That was the other thing that's kind of weird because we saw Hera, and now obviously a working person, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily have to talk about their child at work all the time. She's a general in the New yeah. Republic and has a lot of responsibilities, but she also has a child that yeah. we've seen in this era who is, you know, uh, the product of her and a Jedi Knight or a Jedi Master at that. Um, interesting that we. Uh, haven't had even a reference. It's not mm-hmm. like maybe at some point Sabine goes, how's Jason? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems a little strange. You know, yeah. these two were like tight, tight, like mother daughter tight. And it's strange that like they are a little cool to one another too. Now, again, I get obviously time and distance and, hmm. and you know, Sabine's always been a little mercurial, but it doesn't seem quite as on the nose yet. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe we'll see more of that. We do have six episodes over the next uh, six weeks to go. But so the hyper you've got here in your notes, hyperdrive from SSD, is that a Star Destroyer? Super Star Destroyer. Super Star, which is the big one from the last yeah. series so, so of the, movies, The one right? that, that crashes into the Death Star uh, in the, the final movie. That's like the Darth Vader model. Hmm. Um, yeah, when they go to the um, the wrecking yards on Corellia, they're pulling these hyperdrives and they sort of say, well, you know, what are you pulling them for? And he's like, oh, they're for these ships. And she's like, we don't need engines that big, like the ones that are from the Super Star Destroyer. But he calls, he never says Super Star Destroyer, he says SSD. Hmm. Uh, But again, Star Wars nerds, uh, SSD is a Super Star Destroyer. And so then we see them delivering that at the end to build this, what looks like a Stargate or a big portal called the Eye of Sion, which is going to be what theoretically is what transports Thrawn back into our universe. The part that's funny about this is most of what we saw in the trailers so far was in these two episodes. We haven't really gone too much beyond that, which is good because I don't really want them to show me much more in trailers than the first couple Mm -hmm. episodes. Right, yeah. But we did see Thrawn in the trailers, so we know Thrawn's going to show up. And that Knowing that that's the outcome and knowing that Thrawn is going to be sort of the big bad of the Mandalorian slash Ahsoka slash Book of Boba Fett universe over the next few years is cool. But it also kind of this now this long preamble for, oh, we need to collect this part and then this part's going to do this and then we're going to build this thing. It's like, yeah, cool. Get me there. Like, I know you're going to bring back Thrawn. Hopefully you're going to bring back Ezra. Well, I know you're going to bring back Ezra because you keep putting the guy's name in the opening credits. So he's clearly coming back, too. Um, will he look like Mark Hamill with the long hair and the disheveled look, <laughs> and and will he throw? No, I don't, I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see. But um, maybe drinking green milk this time instead of blue milk. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Whatever they serve on the other side of the galaxy. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it was just kind of strange that they were kind of this slow of a burn over the first two episodes where we're still like, we've at least got one more episode before they finally actually either go to wherever they need to go or bring whatever they need to bring. We know, we know this is going to happen. So like on with it, let's go pick up the pace. Here we go. I guess one like, more question. I don't need, did, I don't need did, to go on the Raiders of the Lost Ark tour and pick up all the souvenirs along the way. Just, yeah, you know, or, or the Hercroxes or whatever they're called from Harry yeah, Potter. Yeah, exactly. But the, exactly. Uh, does does Chopper have a habit of missing when he's trying to throw a tracker onto something? Is that because she says to him, try not to miss this time? 
Yeah, I was trying to remember if that was a, a specific reference, and it may well be. I'm going to go and, and cast around on the Easter egg boards uh, after this. I'm sure there's dozens of things that are in there. It's probably an allusion to a, an episode at some point, but I don't have them encyclopedia uh, catalog in my brain like uh, right. maybe I should, but... And but you're yeah, it was Stargate here at the in your notes too. That's is that like a crack against uh, the eye of well, Scion? <laughs> that's what they called that thing, right? That's what they called that thing they're building with all the hyperdrives in it and stuff like that. But yeah, it basically to me it was like, so you're building a Stargate. Oh, so okay. yeah, yeah. But it kind of it reminded me of those those Jedi. Um, the I think from the ones where they lock in to do their hyperdrive. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, exactly. The round. I thought round maybe that. that's what it was at one point, and maybe that is what they're building. But it looked like a portal of some kind because it looks like that's what they're trying to build. Right, is this thing that connects the far side of the galaxy so like they can get they back? They were putting in the third SSD drive, right? Uh, yeah, yeah hyperdrive. <laughs> yep. Solid state yep. drive, just like by my solid state Minecraft drives. Record. That's right. Exactly. That's right. Cool. Anyway, I thought this was was a good start. I would say somebody who is like way deep in the lore, like, man, this was just candy. Like this was just a big bag full of candy. Um, you know, again, I think the, my favorite part of it so far is Sabine. I think that's pretty on brand. I think Hera's still a work in progress. I think that Ahsoka is a bit of a work in progress. I mean, I like Rosario Dawson. That's, that's fine with me. I think I'm okay with her. That's, you know what, whatever she chooses to do with the role, I trust her. She's a very talented performer and I think she's going to be fine. And so is Mary Elizabeth Winstead for that matter. You know, again, she's one of our favorites from, we were talking about Scott Pilgrim earlier, but um, yeah, I think. Uh, her portrayal in Scott, Scott Pilgrim is great. I love her in that role. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, not the first time she's been green. Ha 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 ha. But anyways. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can we talk about Sabine's hair? We haven't talked about her hair. So the first thing I mm. noticed was, okay, like she did have in Rebels, she had uh, the blue hair with the with the orange tips for a long time. And then like, in the yeah. last season or so, she had cut it short. It was just pretty much blue. Well, she dyed it white. It was white at one point. because yeah. it was Yeah. Yeah. And then you see her here in in the first episode, and it's it's like a lot of blue, and then you know like five or six fiery of tips, orange, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And even right when we first see her, and then you know when she does suit up, we didn't talk about the mandal. I kind of saw I, her armor was to me when she when you first see her helmet under the table, mm-hmm. to me that was that was sort of that was an Easter egg too. But when she lays out the armor and then puts it on, and then she does the little I don't know ceremonial cutting of the hair kind of thing, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, she actually Then she looked like Sabine. Nice the very last time you see her in yeah. character, she with the armor on and the short hair, that's when she looked mm-hmm. closest to Sabine. I mean, the way they've eyeshadowed sh- her eyes, too. That, so when she closes her eyes, and she does yeah. it a few times, and it very, remi- very much reminds me of how the animated character looked, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's, a, it's sure. a good casting from, from a visual point of view for her, for sure. Yeah. No, I th- again, I think uh, Natasha Lubrigizo has, has done a really nice job with that character so far. I was a little disappointed that they armored her up and didn't bother putting the helmet on her. Not even for a second. I was like, hey. Yeah, well, it's coming. Hey. Hey. Like, it's coming. Come but she did, she did carry, she does carry the helmet a lot, right, in, in Rebels too. She does. Like, you do see yeah, and she's not, obviously, she's not a zealot like, uh, like Din Djarin. She doesn't have to wear her helmet all the time and whatever. But yeah, it's definitely um, interesting to see her with a... Her uniform back on on the whole nine, so yeah, right, yeah, yeah, cool. Do you want to move on to the watch list? Hell's yeah! All right, watch list it. So you've got you've got uh, you got the first first crack at it. 
Yeah, I just wanted to flag foundation. Last episode, we talked about just sort of the role that Disney Plus is on and the things that we've been enjoying. Um, I caught up and watched the last two episodes of Foundation uh, the on the weekend. Uh, and I just wanted to, to highlight it. If people aren't watching this season of Foundation, if people watched the first one and gave up, season two is way stronger than season one. Uh, it's set across one sort of period in time in the Foundation. It's not jumping all over quite as much. There are some flashbacks and things like that, but it's not nearly as time timey-wimey as the first one that was really jumping all over the place and really kind of jumping from planet to planet. Here we're jumping from planet to planet, but we're really kind of focusing on like four or five key players as we go through. And it's great. I'm really digging this series now. Like, I, again, I enjoyed season one, but season two has really brought it up a level for me. The performances are really strong. Again, the, the production value is so high. Um, still, I think there's four and more episodes to go this season. Um, but yeah, if, you're, if, if you weren't sure about it and you want to think about getting back into it, I would highly recommend jumping back in for season two of Foundation because that's uh, it's been really, really enjoyable. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think Going back to you've you've not read the first bunch of foundation books, right? No. Yeah. So so the the I mean they're it's a great they're a great series of books. Don't get me wrong, but they're very um, typical of like fifties and sixties pulp sci-fi fiction, right? I mean it's mm. it's well. I mean the the world that Asimov creates is great, which is the reason why I would recommend reading them, even if you can get through the writing right because it's, it's written in that sort of like before space travel was even a thing kind of mm. space travel right um i i'm i'm i have a disconnect between what we're seeing in this show and what i remember in reading the books 30 40 years ago right like how long have we known each other it's been way long before that right um like i think i read them in my my late 20s or mid 20s but um yeah so late 20s it would be and then um but we did get a glimpse of one of my favorite characters, which which I've talked about on the show. I don't know if you remember me mentioning him before, but in the second Foundation book, hmm. there's this character that comes out of nowhere called the Mule that everybody's afraid of. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They show him in a flashback in the season. She has a flash forward, right? Yeah, yeah. Where she has an encounter with the Mule, and they just mention yeah. the Mule. And it's kind of like, it's like dropping the name Thrawn and then running away. Mm -hmm. Which I would think maybe later on in this se this season, or maybe if there's a season three, the mule will become a very big part because he was a huge part of the second foundation. Right. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And the actor who's playing that is one of the guys from um, Sex Education. That's a, I, I recognize the character, the actor. I couldn't tell you his name. I think he's Swedish. Um, but yeah, I saw. I was just like, oh, what? What's happening here? Yeah. It's a yeah, pretty yeah. pretty scary flash forward too. Like it's yeah, pretty yeah. apocalyptic. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to see. And it's kind of funny because I, you know, I don't remember a manifestation of Harry Seldon, although he does pop into the, he's kind of like the, the galactic, uh, what's the thing in Hitchhiker's Guide, the Encyclopedia Galactica. That yeah. Every now yeah. and then pops in and kind of explains, well, this is all meant to happen. We've talked about, it was written down in the book. He pops in every like 50 years or something like that and sort of says, see, told you this would happen, you know? <laughs> And and that's yeah. what I remember about Harry Seldon. He wasn't so much like here. They've they've turned him into a person. I would have remembered that in a book. Mm -hmm. That I don't remember mm -hmm. from. And people, hey, ask you know hashtag ask Spotcast if I'm wrong. Keen, if you're listening, <laughs> please tell me I'm wrong. Right? <laughs> if yeah. You the books. Yeah. Anyway, 
So I have a few things on my watch list. Uh, just one was a bit of a surprise. Just yesterday, I was looking. I had some time to kill. I had, you know, it was between various studying that I was doing, and I sat down and watched The Covenant. Um, partly because it's Jake Gyllenhaal, and not so much because it's Afghanistan, because I don't really need that right now. But mm. it's a Guy Ritchie movie, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh well, mm -hmm. let's see what. Let's see, because I liked his Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, and I liked, you know, uh, Snatch and all the other stuff that he's done as a director. So I thought, well, let me let me see how he approaches the subject and it's a really good movie hmm. um the first part is amazing like you're just on the edge of your seat and then the the second part is kind of eh, a bit you know typical american but i think it might be based on a real on, a, on an actual story right um it's, it's based on a actual scenarios and things that really happened in the afghan afghani war with the taliban and stuff like that but yeah those taliban man they they make stormtroopers look like like disney characters man <laughs> you know yeah 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 bit of a different war so and then I went to this, I went with my sister and my and my niece to see this really amazing um, existential sci-fi flick. It was like it was so strange and so otherworldly and fan fantastically shot and really big budget. It's called Barbie. I don't know if you've Barbie. Heard of it. Whoa, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely recommend Bar Barbie's fun. I mean, I, I you know I. I was was a little, I've heard you know some people liked it some people didn't like it you know I was surrounded by Barbies growing up you know because my sister had them and so obviously I don't know, played with them every now and then but um, yeah well, um, GI Joe needed a girlfriend right well GI Joe is yeah 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 whatever but you know um, <laughs> I don't know what my sisters did when they bored my GI Joes but anyway um, not gonna go there not gonna go there but. Uh, uh, yeah, it was really fun. I mean, it sort of it sort of plays off the sort of fantasy, you know, I hate to say it, fantasy place where, you know, like empowering young girls. It's a great message mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But when you get out into the real world, all the messages that Barbie teaches you about, you know, what could possibly be just isn't right and ken mm. goes out there and discovers and brings back you know some bad sentiments back to barbie land and and uh will ferrell slaris as the, as the ceo of mattel mm. so yeah so it's definitely it's definitely uh definitely worth watching and and um is yeah, it a big screen movie do you should it be seen on a big screen does it matter if you've ever seen, if you've ever collected anything or watched and, and looked at any of the paraphernalia that came with Barbie, well, you've probably seen Barbie stuff at, at Fan Expo and stuff like that. That's stuff oh, yeah. that people collect, like the, the, like there's a scene with the ambulance, right? They, like Ken gets, Ken runs into the ocean and wh whacks his head on a plastic wave. Right. So he needs, right. so they need, he needs medical attention. So the doctors arrive, the two lady doctors arrive with their ambulance and the ambulance, it's, you know, it's split down the middle and it opens up like this. So it splays yeah. out and then the table falls out. I mean like that kind of stuff. And then, and then they, they x-ray his arm and instead of like, you know, pretending to x-ray, they hold up a cardboard heart-shaped x-ray with an arm mm. on it and they go look your arm is fine <laughs> like because i mean that's what you would have gotten you would have gotten this goofy plastic splay open yeah yeah uh, ambulance and and the x-ray would have been a little cardboard cutout that you took out of the packaging and like you know cut it out of the uh, cut it you know use your box tops or whatever and i mean yep. th they played that stuff down like like even there's a scene where Ken is throwing Barbie's clothes out of the her dream house and mm. it's all the collectible 
stuff. Like it, they freeze yeah, it in yeah. the air as it's falling, and they're like the collectible, blah blah blah. You know, the the nineteen sixty, you know, whatever fur yeah, coat. Yeah. You know, with the matching purse, and and it's, and, and it's funny because uh, uh, it was a little bit disturbing too from my perspective because there were a lot of young kids in in the showing that I was at, and I and I know it's not appropriate for young kids. I mean, it's okay. I guess they're not going to get a lot of the double double entendre, but there were some women in that theater who didn't stop laughing. Like, just being in the room with that. You know how you, you say when you go see a movie in a theater, you get the crowd thinking, this one woman beside me just, like, guffawed at just about everything. I did laugh out loud once or twice, right? So, but, yeah, I, th- I definitely think... It speaks truth to experience for a lot of women, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, because, I mean, they all grew up with this, you know, with... Like, there was um, Midge, the pregnant Barbie that didn't go well, and... They, yeah, they and Alan, the best the friend, side. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Alan, yeah. Al- was there an Alan? Really? Alan was was uh, Ken's best friend. Yes, apparently oh, yeah. it was an Alan doll. And yeah. there's only one of him. And, and Michael Cyrus says, "I don't know why that is because like there's like a zillion Kens, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All yeah. the cool guys are called Ken, right? <laughs> you know, and it's it's uh, yeah, it, it's definitely fun. But it, but if you go into it thinking, like I said, like my tongue firmly planted in cheek, but not really existential sci-fi, you know. It's a bit, it's a bit like the Truman Show in that sense, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it is definitely worth watching. But yeah, I, I do recommend you see it if you can in the big theater. Um, the other thing that came out, which we haven't talked about, is Solar Opposites. I think you, uh, you watch it with your with your your kids, right? Yep. Um, I like so we talked a bit about the the what are they going to do with Rick and Morty? What are they going to do with Solar Opposites? Because the guy mm-hmm. who's been Justin Roiland, yeah, Justin yeah. Roiland has been canceled. They deal with the voice. I don't know if you've watched the first episodes of the of the season. I haven't yet. Have Within not watched two yet. minutes, they deal with that. Nice. And it's pretty much get over it. This is how I sign now. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> like excellently executed. Like right off. Like let's get that out of the way. It's done. You know how. Like you know how we. we and then he goes into the intro where he says, you know, I you know the, the bit about the comet hitting the Earth, and yeah, I've been yeah. holding the pupa this whole time, and you know, like he just like rolls with like the. It's a completely different voice. Like it's, they don't yep. even pretend to make it sound the same. Hmm. Right. But but he deals with it right off the right off the top. Like with the first three lines of of dialogue, he's like, get over it. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it's Solar Opposites is still sort of the the second banana to Rick and Morty. I think it'll be interesting to see what the response is to the Rick and Morty change. Oh, they more they, so than this. they make they make. Uh, I mean, this season. I, I got to go back and watch the previous seasons, but there's a couple of episodes. I think I'm four episodes in or five episodes in, and there's a couple of episodes in or six. There's six. They dropped six. I don't know if they're dropping anymore, but hmm. which is what I complained about. They dropped them all at once. But yeah, I think yeah. the fourth episode, if I remember correctly, was like what they put that on television. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. nice. <laughs> that good. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Um, and then the last thing I watched was, uh, I just, I stumbled across this. I've seen, I've seen bits of, um, uh, what's her name now that plays Nebula on Marvel. Uh, oh, Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan. Yeah. She, uh, Amy Pond of Doctor Who, um, she did a couple of makeup videos on, on being Nebula. I saw those a while mm. back, but she's now put out a week in the life of Nebula and she, uh, she got in trouble for doing this, but she took her iPad and she filmed 
everything from getting up in the morning, you know, at four o'clock in the morning, this is my driver, hey driver, say hello. And then and going through the whole process, this is where the trailers are, you know, and this is, you know, this is the makeup thing. And this is where I become Nebula. And then, and then the, the morphing into Nebula and then how she learns her lines. And the, she does a whole week of her life, including hmm. going to LA to do press and coming back to do reshoots and stuff like that. What's interesting though about that role, because you know, in, in the show, she's got completely black eyes, right? Yeah, She yeah. doesn't wear contacts. They must do all that in post. Oh, interesting. Which is kind of huh. cool, because I wonder if that's what they're doing with Hera in this show, because I was going to say the green eyes in Hera in Ahsoka really cemented the character for me, especially on the Yeah, and some version. of them, they wear, like, the contacts and stuff like that, but I think it depends on the obviously the artist because it's yeah. hard to emote with those things in well, too you probably right? can't see if they're black contacts you know like no i, I mean they yeah, look be like sunglasses or something yeah like this let me hit you with my blind you know <laughs> yeah no i think i think in that case they must have to do it in post but i, I that's something they could do i mean that would be relatively easy right so mm-hmm. um knowing Photoshop as well as I do. But yeah, so I, I highly recommend if you're interested in in how all of these characters get into makeup and, and what an actor goes through in a week of shooting, you know, four o'clock in the morning and flying to LA for this and that and whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. Actually, what was it? Um, oh, there's one there's one line in the Barbie movie, which I think, which is absolutely hilarious because Helen Mirren does is the narrator, right? Yeah, I've, I've heard and, those and, bits, yeah. And there's one scene where Barbie is Barbie's having a realization moment about how ugly she is, right? And mm. and Helen Mirren comes on and says, "Note to the movie makers: next time you cast a role like this for this particular scene, don't do Margot Robbie." Because <laughs> she has no weight, even in her worst moment, she's beautiful, right? Yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Which I, I thought was funny. Anyway, but yeah, that's it for that's it for me, and that's it for this week. And so, if people get in touch with you, where would they find you, Jonathan? You can find me, uh, well, right here on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can find me at youtube.com slash at JPK, or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. All right. My name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine, the Mastodon machine, the, all the machines. Uh, yeah, I think maybe on this one on the YouTube as well. But until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. But now the titles are over and the singing. Mike, Mike's done his bit. I was going to say, Thanks, Mike's Mike. done what Mike does. Yeah. Yep. Hmm? And Mike, and Mike, Mike does what Mike does. Mike, yep. Mike with the, with the uh, silent outro. I don't know how Mike's doing with his career as a voiceover guy, but I'm sure he's getting some work. Mm, he's done well for us. Yeah. 
Uh, it's funny, like, um, I, I loaded uh, iOS 17 on, or iPad OS 17 on my, on my iPad here, and I went through the 150 lines you have to read to create a voice, a, a digital voice of yourself. Oh, interesting. It's, it's an accessibility feature they added in iOS 17 to so that you can, um, it, it listens to you how you say things and gives you sample words and things like that. And then you basically can just go back in and dig, and just say, read this text and it'll come out sounding kind of like me, not 100% hmm. like me, but, but enough that it would fool you. Creepy. You know? Yeah. By the way, speaking of which, um, I don't know if you've ever heard... We need to the... do that for Jaime. When Jaime's, Jaime's not available, we'll just yeah. put Jaime on and be like, well, what do you think, Jaime? How's Mark, it going? Mark's actually never... Uh, is it Mark? Mark has met me and Jaime in the same room, but he, I don't know why he says this, but he says all the time that he thinks that, that I'm pretending to be Jaime and Jaime's pretending to be me. So, because he's never met us both at the same time. But he has, in fact. I have photographic evidence of the fact <laughs> that he's met us. But he, he has this, this ongoing theory, right? So... Mm-hmm. I mean, you've never met Jaime and me in the same time at the same place. I, right? I have not. For all I, for all I know, Jaime is a figment of your imagination. A simulacrum, yes. Because you've never actually <laughs> seen him on camera. That's the other thing, too, right? <laughs> well, I've seen him on camera. Have you? On this show? Mm-hmm. When? I can't remember what for. We did it at one point. Maybe we were, I think we were trying something at some point because yeah. I definitely saw him moving around. No. No, there's there's no there's no video evidence of that. Well, not none, mm. none, no existing video evidence. You know, it might have been, yeah. might have been an accidental. Oops, the video went on for a second. But yeah, no, I don't yeah. think he's ever been portrayed mm. on in video here. Yeah, it was. Well, as far as we know, there is a Jaime Lopez Jr. who does live near Seattle, Washington. He claims to live near Seattle, Washington. <laughs> he could be in a bunker. In a bunker near Seattle, Washington. Could be a guy in Mimico with a with a digital delay, for all we know, right? So. <laughs> Work. That would oh, be but yeah, weird. coming back, coming back to this this uh, digital voicing. So I wanted to say. So I don't know if you have you heard the stories of how they're using they're copying grandchildren's voices and then calling grandparents and saying, "Oh, I've been arrested. Don't tell my mom. Send you know, the money. Send the money. Somebody. So they're mm. they're going to the, the lawyer's going to send the guy to come to the door to pick up. Then and people are like, "Whoa!" So here's the thing. Speak to your kids. We need to come up with a code word. Okay. Right? Well, so let's that... maybe not do it on the podcast, but No, yes. I'm, I'm saying in future, yeah. I mean, well, I can also edit this out, but I mean, in future, and I'm saying this to other people too, like maybe you need to have, like you and I need to have a code word so I know it's really you and you know it's really me. Carol and I have established a code word so we would know each other because it's something only we would know from our past mm. kind of thing, right? So... So to be everybody... fair, I, I love my, my son and my daughter, but if they get arrested, just leave them there. Maybe for a night. I think it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Probably did whatever they deserve to get. Just maybe well, like that's one a, night. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not them calling. Oh, I know. I'm just saying. If yeah, anybody so... calls, just be like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't care if it's really well, my kid. Just, maybe the, maybe no. the secret the secret could be, what did your dad say to do with you when you got into this position, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, ignore dad. We know what he'd say. Yeah. Ignore